I'm also excited to bring you our guy from Sports Talk 790, also host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He's coming out from H-Town, and that is our guy Chris Gordy. Chris, how you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, certainly a uh, fun time of year. we got the Final Four this weekend in New Orleans and baseball starting up. So, yeah, the, uh, the lockout didn't hurt that bad because it's always good when we go straight from one sport into another. It's always great to add that. Tr- like, it's a perfect transition going from college basketball and the MLB season starts that Thursday. It feels like the MLB, the whole point of the lockout was to purposely wait for March Madness to be over and start in early April. Well, I think, you know, what we found was ultimately the player, the, the owners still held all the cards. I mean, the players did get a good bit of what they wanted on the bargaining table, but ultimately I think what it came down to is the owners were willing to sit this thing out, wait as long as they wanted, and, and the players said, you know what, it's going to hurt us more if, we, uh, if, if we're delayed and the season gets chopped down and we play less games and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, ultimately it was the players. I think I was on your show and said, you know, we yep. were thinking Memorial Day was when they were going to get started. Luckily they were able to come to an agreement pretty quickly and, you know, we, we the season starts a little later, but we don't lose any games. They're going to make up those two series that we missed. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's an exciting time of year. It's an exciting time of year to be an Astros fan because, look, this team loses pieces every year, but they still have this core nucleus together that makes them one of the best teams in baseball. They're one of the best teams in baseball, and they're probably one of the more entertaining ones. That said, they lost one of their key cogs in the offseason. It felt inevitable seeing Carlos Correa go. How surprised were you he wound up going to the Minnesota Twins? We all knew he was going to wind up heading to greener pastures, but the Twins? Yeah, I, I wasn't that surprised when I heard about the Twins. Now, I was surprised he took the, the the lesser deal, but I think what happened was when the lockout happened and then you know, he fired his previous agent and then went and got Scott Boris. You know, Scott Boris is a uh, – you know, he, he's going to go find you the best deal available. And I think they were starting to realize post-lockout that nobody was wanting to hand out those nine, ten-year contracts. And so Carlos said, look, let's go get a, a high-end money, you know, per-year deal where we can opt out after year one and, and get back into the market next offseason and go get that nine, ten-year deal we're looking for next offseason. Um, you know, I think the Astros, it was on the table on a, you know, a shorter-term deal, but – uh, they did not. They were not a fan of the opt-out thing, and, and I and I understand it. Look, like e- either we're turning the page and we're moving on, or we're committed. And and Carlos Correa is our long-term shortstop. And I know some people were like, well, if he's just going to do basically a one-year deal in Minnesota, why not just do it in Houston? Again, I think the Astros saw it as they they came to the table, um, you know, in good faith negotiating this off-season, but they just they're not fans of these one-year deals where you know the player has all the control and can opt out. And the, the, the tough part about it is, too, Carlos Correa has had a history of, of, of back injuries and everything else. And you know, I was even told last season he never saw the Astros trainer once. Everything he did is rehab or a treatment and everything he did off-site with, a, with a, a, you know, an independent uh, trainer. That right there was a red flag to me. Like, look, you know, if I'm going to sign you to a long-term contract, I want every medical up-to-date on you as possible and so it's a little interesting in that if he gets hurt this year in Minnesota, let's say the back issues flare up, 
Well, he just opts into his, his year two deal with at whatever, $31, 33000000 million a year with Minnesota, and he stays with the Twins another year. So it, it's a very, you know, nice contract for Carlos, but the flip side of it is, man, you're with the Twins. Like, they're not any good. You know, I, I, I wonder how much a guy like Carlos Gray can lift this Twins lineup. Um, you know, I, I think at best there'll be a 500 club fighting and clawing for a play, playoff spot. Now, they do have the extra playoff uh, spot this year, so maybe, you know, maybe they're competing for that. But I just wonder, you know, he, he, like, man, is he going to go there and, and experience what George Springer experienced in Toronto last year where it was a whole lot of, hey, you know, sitting on your couch watching the Astros in the postseason and you're not there. Talk right now with Chris Gordy, part of Sports Talk 790 and the host of the Locked on SEC podcast. And it was interesting to see how this opening week rotation is going to pan out. Obviously, Justin Verlander not going to be your game one starter, but we're seeing obviously one of the big aces from last season and Framber Valdez get that nod. What do you think about how this potential regular rotation is working out right now? Because you've got Justin Verlander back in the mix. You've got Valdez starting things off. How do you see this all panning out? Yeah, I think it's fine. I think it actually works in your benefit a little bit more, having Verlander not at the front end of the rotation to start the year. I was down at West Palm a few weeks ago and got to talk with Verlander, and even he said he joked, he said, man, the, the lockout got done quicker than we expected. We we thought it was going to go a little bit longer, and he's like, hey, you know, had it gone another two to four weeks, he said he was going to have you know everything built up and he was going to be fine and ready to go for opening day. Uh, he said he's just a little, you know, was a little bit behind schedule. So, um, man, if you go by what you've seen from Justin Verlander so far in, in spring training, he has been lights out. I mean, he, he looks like the Cy Young winner from two years ago. The big thing with him is going to be, you know, what what is his innings count? You know, after having missed basically a full season and a half, really, really ultimately two seasons, because two years ago he started opening day, and that's when he had the injury, and then he was out. So he's really missed about two full seasons. You know, once he gets in there and he gets rolling, I mean, is it, you know, do you pull him after five innings and say, look, we want to be safe about this? Um, you know, when Verlander's the guy who's used to going six, seven, eight innings and out. So I'll be real interested to see how they manage his workload. Um, but look, you, you got the benefit of Luis Garcia was fantastic for you. Finished in second in rookie of the year voting last year. Framber Valdez really, you know, ever since Verlander went down, has kind of established himself as the ace of the staff. But with Lance McCullers, the big questions with him, I mean, I, I keep talking to people who are saying they wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't pitch at all this year. You know, the, I think the optimistic approach with McCullers is he'll be back by midseason by the All-Star break. But, man, it is, uh, you know, Christian Javier's a nice piece. Jaco DeRizzi is, is a proven vet that's back. So they've got some arms. But, man, if, if anybody were to get hurt, like let's say Verlander tweaks something and he misses an extended amount of time, this uh, rotation is really in trouble, but I, I like where they are right now. They got a kid named Hunter Brown who's knocking on the door in AAA, who I think is going to get called up at some point this year, and he'll be, you know, end up part of this rotation uh, at some point. But yeah, I just uh, I, I worry about depth on this team altogether, whether it's the the rotation or whether it's the lineup. If they can stay healthy, they're going to be fine. But as we know, 162 game seasons, injuries pop up. Oh, exactly. They always pop up, and it feels like you brought up Justin Verlander. He, I agree with you. He's been looking like he is just back to his old self, 
And how great is that to see? Again, he's been gone for about two years. He's getting up there in age. I mean, he could have very well just walked off and, and left on his own accord, but he's coming back to try and recapture that magic. And maybe this could be the last ride for the 39-year-old nearing he's going to be 40 next year pitcher what do you think about how he's going to how you think he's going to pan out for this team and how does that injury that he had been dealing with for the last two years maybe come back to bite him yeah careful on the aging thing all right he and i are the same age so uh when when i say justin verlander's old it's, it's a shot at myself and i hate that but uh no it, it, it's again it's very encouraging what we've seen out of him and again, I think it's just all about workload and, and how many innings he can go. And, you know, he even said there, there may be times this season where they have to skip a start for him just to, to keep his inning workload manageable. You don't want to overexert him and you don't want to, you know, put a strain on him where maybe, you know, he, he uh, agitates that arm or something, uh, having not pitched, you know, in, in two years, basically. So, yeah, they're going to have to be really careful with it. But again, it's just it's frustrating and it's hard because he does look like the dominant Justin Verlander. But Dusty's old school. Dusty Baker is going to, you know, he I think he's going to play a little bit safe if need be, and he's going to have to be that one that goes out there and has those tough conversations, you know, in the fourth or fifth inning and say, "All right, JV, time to go." Because Verlander is not the type of guy that likes to give the ball over to the manager. He he fights tooth and nail. Him and AJ Hinch used to get into it all the time. Um, you know, when A.J. would go on to pull him. And, and again, you know, I was w- when giving him six, seven, eight innings at times. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to see how they manage the workload. But I think they're going to be more safe than, than sorry very early on with him. And, again, because this is a team that has postseason aspirations. They need Justin Verlander come October. I, I think they're not going to worry about pulling him early in an April or May start. I definitely would. Talk right now with Chris Gordy, Sports Talk 790. And looking at at more of the defensive side, what are you more concerned about? Are you concerned about the infield more or the outfield? I'm concerned about that center field spot. I'm surprised they didn't bring in another player. Um, You know, Michael Conforto was out there. There, There's a couple of names out there in free agency that I thought maybe they might take a a shot at. Because keep in mind, this is a team that, you know, ever since they lost Josh Reddick, and George Springer, they've never really brought in anybody else. Chaz McCormick has come up through this system. Jose Siri is a guy that they claimed off waivers a while back, and you know he started a couple of playoff games for them this past year. And Jake Myers is a guy that they like as well. Has come up through the system, and uh, you know, unfortunately, he got hurt in the, in the playoffs last year, and he's still out right now. They still don't have a timetable for his return. So it sounds like they're going to roll with the combo of Chaz McCormick and Jose Siri, and. My only problem with Jose Siri is, man, he gives me Carlos Gomez vibes. And by that, I mean he's a guy that's a little bit unpredictable. Like, he, he does things outside the realms of baseball sometimes. There was a time last year late in the season where he ran through a stop sign at third and got gunned down at home. And it's like, man, you've got to listen to your coaches. You've got to do what's being told to you and play some smart baseball. Uh, he's even had the trademark Carlos Gomez swing and fall down to your knee uh, at home plate before. So, uh, he scares me a little bit. The only thing with Chaz McCormick is, man, he games like the Astros, start a couple playoff games. But Dusty Baker said the other day he hasn't been happy with what he's seen from McCormick in spring training so far. So the center field is going to be one to watch. They're, they're, you know Michael Brantley's going to be out there. You know Kyle Tucker's going to be out there. But, you know, is it Jose Siri in center? Is it Chaz McCormick in center? 
And I think there's going to be times where they put Jordan Alvarez back in left field again because, uh, you know, he's a guy who is your primary DH, but they want to keep getting him in as a position guy at times. And he, he did fine in left field. He's never going to be a Jake Marisnik type flying around out there making big defensive plays. But, you know, shortstop spot, it, it is Jeremy Pena's job at this point. I mean, you know, he's the guy who's come up through the system that, again, he was knocking on the door at the end of last year in, in AAA, and I think they really like him. The unfortunate thing for him is we're always going to, you know, from here on out, it's going to be, oh, he's not Carlos Correa. Well, no, nobody's Carlos Correa. But Jeremy Pena can give you pretty good to elite-level defensive shortstop play. And, look, if he gives you anything at the plate, I think that's that's a plus. We know he's got power. When I was at spring training a few weeks ago, I saw him in BP hitting a couple bombs, crushing crushing some home runs. So I think Pena's going to be fine. It's just it's going to be that unfortunate thing where the fans and media and critics alike are going to be comparing him to Correa throughout this whole season. And I just think that's unfair. Let Jeremy Pena be Jeremy Pena. Stop trying to compare him to Carlos Correa. Exactly. I like the, I like the take there. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the Final Four weekend, and more importantly, enjoy Astros baseball starting on Thursday over on the West Coast. Yeah, uh, I, that's the one thing that sucks about playing AL West is you get these late-night games, and I mean, I'm I'm literally in bed at 11.30 watching the game, falling asleep, trying to stay awake. So eh, it's, it's unfortunate, but look, let's get some of these uh, West Coast trips out of the way. we got some big, big homestands coming up. Uh, at Minute Maid in these next couple of weeks. So anybody wants to make the uh, the four-hour drive west, come on over to Houston. Come check out the games at Minute Maid Park. There'll be some really good opponents coming in here the first few weeks. I can't wait, Chris. Thank you again, man. All right, thanks, Ed.